Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one. Courage, written by Vulgidus. Mining is not the most exciting job in the cluster, or the best pay at the end of the year, but it's honest, mostly safe, and it gives asylum and a chance at earning a salary with undesirables, and can be fun depending on your colleagues. We were mining hydrocarbons with the ice planetoid in a remote area of the galaxy, near the border with one of the Empire of the Twelve Suns. Being humble laborers like ourselves, we didn't worry too much about the security. Those worries were handled by both the private conglomerate contracted by the Mahol Inc., our company, and the Republic of Zahn outpost right behind the corner of our outpost, at merely 0.2 lie. Our crew was composed of mostly omnivores and some herbivores, nothing too fancy, good people, hard workers, honest folk. One of them was Jim, the human. Humans were a species of the quadrant. The first crew had arrived just around 40.45 years ago, and Jim was the first employee to work with us. Jim was always happy, always joking about the hardships of his work, always mock-complaining about everything and everyone, making the hours fly by. And the fatigue bearable. One fine Monday, we had just started the second shift and the alarm sounded. The code was actually new. It wasn't the fire alarm, or the tectonic shift alarm, a waterfall or chemical spill, or anything else that they trained us for. So there were a couple of minutes of doubt while the shift supervisor checked in with the description center through the intercom. The alarm signified war, total lockdown. It meant that the outposts were facing a military force. It meant that we were soon to be under siege. During the next two weeks, we proceeded to seal up every exit and every system that needed access to the outside. While the security team was doing their best to establish choke points and prepare weaponry near the vulnerable points and around the sleeping quarters, where some of the workers were already stockpiling rations and water. In the beginning, everything seemed futile. No one was taking it seriously. Not a single shot had been heard or seen by the automated security systems outside or the orbital satellites. The QNET said that there was an intense fighting around the outpost in our vicinity, but apparently this invasion force was small and more of a probe. The Empire was using it to test how much they could get away with before the whole Republic would react in all-out war. It turns out that the Republic wasn't ready to tolerate it a lot before declaring war and both sides were sending the minimum possible amount of troops and fleets to reinforce the lines in order not to risk leaving other parts of the border insufficiently protected. Everyone from working and joking as always, or trying to at least, just to a different end, securing the factory from the invisible menace. Everyone, except Jim, he looked like he was done with humor. Before the attack, I only knew he had a dog, Chibu Inu, named Genki, and liked fermented alcohol beverages, mostly malted barley. He had a pastime that he didn't talk about, which told me that he either was an ex-convict or a veteran, which, is to be fair to him, was rather common amongst the workforce. And, well, that was it. 
We had some shifts together, and we talked about sports, politics, and anything else that was on the Q-net at the time. He never once took a position, never expressed any opinion worth noting. He always said something good about every side of the matter at hand. Then joke, or some witty observation about an aspect of it, and he let someone else take it from there, remaining silent and listening for hours at a time, save for some more jokes and a sporadic innocent pranks. Even the way that he was grooming himself reflected a shift in mentality. Usually Jim had a five-day stubble, dirty hair, and dressed in the same outfit until it stank. Then a simple change of clothes after a good shower. Now he looked like one of the security compliment. Buzz cut, shaved twice a day, always dressed in the safety gear and security compliment asked to wear, while keeping the shiny and charged. The only times that we saw old Jim were when he brought the dog around at the outer ring of the factory playing with it, letting the co-workers and guards pet it, running with it. That's where he still looked happy and warm, but those walks became few and far between. Then reality struck as harshly. The attack began, the Q-net went down and the energy core became unstable due to the quantum jamming that the attackers were deploying night and day. And the shelling, my gods, the shelling that we endured, the shields we were using were just about the best available ones we dissipate. About 99.97% of the energy ordnance thrown to us, but still. The vibrations in the hull were so severe that one had to eat standing up to avoid spilling the Nutri-Soup on the floor whenever that 0.03% came through. In a way, we were lucky. Apparently, the attacking forces needed extraction machinery intact enough to be used to supply the reinforcements. They didn't care to get us at all, true, but they didn't care that we died also. They wanted those machines, and they would have killed everyone that was in between. After days of this ordeal, our shields fell. That was a strange feeling. After a near-constant shunning, having enough silence to hear you breathing, the sound of water when you drank... The whining of Jim's dog was unsettling. When the silence fell, we were all living quarters, one of the areas of the base that still had an atmosphere and life support. The director stood up stretched in all of his sight and started to change clothes right then and there. Wearing the best suit on he kept for this very moment, a very expensive garment custom tailor-made to his taste and body, and started to slowly walk towards the external perimeter to go and deal safe passage out of the base as per protocol. When he reached the door, he stopped for a moment and looked behind, to look at us, who were in a miserable conditions, and at that moment, I saw a ghost of doubt flash behind his eyes, for an instant before he recollected himself, and quickly strolled outside of the room. In retrospect, I think he knew that there was no chance for it, but he had to try anyway. We sat there for what seemed ages, in almost total silence waiting to be ordered out of the invaders' way, waiting to go home, or at least go where we can have some good food and some decent sleep. While we were dreaming of real food and sleep, we saw our security jump to action, half of them running out of the room, weapons in hand, and the rest enabling and directing the defensive drone turrets that they had placed in before the attack began. It turns out that since the Empire took much time capturing the little factory, because Mahal Inc. spent too much of its security on the structure, the invaders now wanted to make an example of us. 
They wanted us to be anecdotes to the other directors of the factories and industrial outposts that would use to justify lowering the shields and getting out of the way. I don't think they got the story they wanted out of it. I didn't see much of the fighting, I mostly heard it, through the walls, while we moved from one area to the next one, through the security EM communicators and a fewer and fewer guards that were accompanying us. When I saw something, it was mostly the effects of the fighting, the corpses, the damage to the rooms and the hallways that we had run through, the security feed showing our men dying, our lifespans coming to an end. I cried every night. I barely slept while we kept moving and tried everything to stay alive and to find a way out of the factory and back to the Republican space. Jim was in my group and all the time carrying or taking care of Genki, who remained at his side day and night. He was unrecognizable. He was emotionless, silent. He looked cold like the hull that he had the habit to rest against. He looked like a talked blade, strained with an unnatural pose waiting to either snap or cut. Joel Jim was buried under layers of weird compulsion and routines. He mostly took care of his dog, his gear, and his safety, and left everyone else to himself. The only activity he engaged daily in was the construction of weird devices, containers, circuits. Every time we entered a new room or we strolled through a corridor, he would rip some stuff off the walls and put it in a huge heavy bag that he always was carrying on himself and those strange items would reappear during the resting time where we were allotted to break down, transformed, reborn into new weird devices. It looked like an innocent coping mechanism to me at the time, something to remain sane and not think about the horrors that we were facing, the imminent death that awaited most of us. The third last day was the last time I saw old Jim. He woke up, started smiling and joking around and gave an abundant meal to his dog, using one of the last remaining rations that he had that contained a synth of meat. It was good to see him again the whole day. He was his old self, and in the evening we talked so much at that point that we were only ones left awake. He was sitting against the hull, as usual, and he was gently caressing Kenki's neck, when he started to talk again softly. You know, I was a soldier once, just like the ones that are killing us. He looked at me in the eyes, and I felt the soul cold as steel cutting through like a sword. I suppose that you don't know how humans fight war, but let me assure you that it's nasty. These soldiers that you people consider the scourge of the galaxy are, well, amateurs compared to the average human militia. I would have flooded this factory with isomethane and carbon monoxide days ago, for an example. I didn't know how to respond to such thoughts, so I stood there with my mouth slightly open, in disbelief until he went on. I did things in my life that brought me to the brink of self-destruction. Horrible, horrible things. And although the people on the receiving end were no saints themselves, the ease and the nature of those acts remained engraved in my soul permanently, bound by guilt, shame, and regret. But right now, when I was ready to give up on a life that I found Genki, the dog, resting its head on his thigh, was softly snoring and flinching deep in his dreaming state. People sometimes only need something to do and some kind of affection to be saved. And a dog can provide both. I am in great debt to this little creature, not only for the unconditional love it gave me in these years, but for providing me with a truthful mirror in which to keep my behavior in check, my soul steady and my demons silent. 
I had days to think about our situation, and I finally got it figured out, but I must ask you a favor. I need you to take care of my dog, and treat it with the respect and care that you would reserve for me, for as long as necessary. The pause was abrupt. The speech had been one-sided to the point that I needed some seconds to realize that it was my turn to speak. Oh, yes, Jim, I'll do my best. I always liked Genki anyway, but what's in your mind? Don't you think that you should talk with our security before attempting anything rash? He looked almost serene for a moment, and while getting up and leaving, he handed me a rope tied to his dog's neck. Ah, don't worry about it, friend. They cannot bear the weight of what I'm about to do. Besides, enough of them died already, and the remaining will help you endure long enough to get out of here alive if I fail. I remember his face leaking water, like that time that he had some nasty virus infection and was quarantined in the infirmary. When he was about to exit the room, everyone was still sleeping, he took one last glance at me, and now the restless Genki, before turning away and whispering, Farewell, friend. Please remember me happy. I'm still not sure if this last words were for me or for Genki. Time slowed down to a crawl. The dog was constantly pulling at the rope, crying for his friend's departure. After about two days, we started to feel the floor vibrating, even harder during the time of shelling than we felt the previous days. Everyone was panicking as the noise turned into something so loud that it hurt, deafening us to the point that not hearing even the sound of our thoughts. Suddenly, it came to an abrupt fashion. The turmoil stopped and a thin red light appeared all around the doorframe indicating that the hallway leading to the storage room we were in was exposed to the toxic thin atmosphere of the planetoid that we were residing on. Days passed in total silence until we were rescued by the Republican forces. More days then flew by while I was hospitalized and recovering, all the while the QNET was in turmoil over the incident. Or so it was called by them. The story of it became of anecdote to the human resilience and ingenuity, the way Jim fought to his last battle went down in history as the cruelest display of engineering prowess, twisted creativity, and pure carnage of the modern era, making the whole galaxy wary of the human ability to weaponize tools and mostly harmless technology. I found out from the QNET updates that were fed to my hospital bed terminal that using a homemade gun, some bombs, and guerrilla tactics, he was able to butcher his way into the docking area of the base, commandeer the enemy ship, infiltrate the main bomber ship, and unload every single weapon on the rest of the fleet, before deorbiting it right in the proximity of the base, annihilating the ground forces employed in the occupation and repairs. It wasn't what he did that shocked the public opinion. But how he did it. He started off with the Sentinel, Scouts, and smaller units, wounded them, making them ask for help. In order to kill more, he tortured the medics, broadcasting their agonizing screeches on their comms. Left corpses in such a state that they sighted them who had haunts the few survivors who had to monitor the combatants' video feeds. He employed chemical warfare, using anything dangerous he came into contact with in the days of our failed escape. He did whatever he could to win, including self-emulation during a final attack. The opposing forces thought that they were fighting a new breed of infiltrators deployed by the Republican intelligence specifically to fight them. He was sleepless, sustained only by the stimulus and hatred, fighting non-stop, 
for a whole 56 hours, local days are 28 hours long. But the worst thing of it all, he enjoyed himself. He left behind every vestigial conscience that he had, stopping only to stalk new prey. Many journalists tried their best to describing Jim, a hero, a savage beast, a brilliant tactician, an insane individual. In my opinion, Jim was simply a lonely, lost soul, who learned to be a predator during his years as a fighter and was able to silence his inner demons long enough to rebuild a life. He died in the third last day when he said goodbye to my colleagues, me and his companion. He didn't just give his life, he gave up his very soul, burning it into the crucible of rage just to have a shot at freeing us, at saving lives, and he was able to because of a dog. A dog that even today, half blind and aching from old age, is still waiting for his friend to return. End of story. I hope that you enjoyed and if you did, please consider subscribing. If you wish to support the author, there is a link to the original story, so pop over there and give him your support. If you wish to support this channel, however, there are a few ways to do so. The best and easiest would be to share this video with other people, as well as liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment. All of these things tell the algorithm that this channel is at least vaguely interesting, and that may share it with other people. If you wish to support the channel in some other manner, watching my other videos would also help tremendously. Or if you really, really, really like, there is a link down below to leave a tip or to join the Patreon. Any and all support is very much appreciated. And I hope that you all have a good one until the next time. And I'll see you then. Cheers.